Welcome to the Reversing Diabetes Podcast with Delane ND, the podcast for people looking to correct chronic illnesses such as diabetes through lifestyle change. I'm Dr. Delane Vaughn. As a physician, I see many patients who are ill because of lifestyle decisions such as food choices. Typically, diseases such as diabetes are managed with pills or injections. This approach creates a vicious, expensive, and unhealthy cycle of medication and then more medication to address the negative side effects. As a physician and a life coach, I work with clients to resolve their diseases, get off their medications, and live a naturally healthy life. If you don't like the healthcare system in America, I recommend you use less of it by being naturally healthy. So if you feel there has to be a better, more natural way to live a healthy life, you are in the right place. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. This is episode number I don't know. I have been thinking a lot about what people need to hear about reversing their diabetes, about dealing with the awkward process of learning something new, about feeling all the feelings. And so sometimes I get an idea in my head and I'm like, oh, I just need to get this into a podcast. And there's a lot of these coming at this point because I'm really dedicating a lot of time to thinking about what people need to hear. So I'm not recording podcasts in a certain order right now. I'm just recording them and then I'll release them uh, where I have space in the um, podcast series. So we are going to talk about insulin resistance today and how to know when it's fixed. This particular topic came from a client asking me a question about coming to the end of their program and how am I going to know when my insulin resistance is fixed. So I do get this question a lot from my clients and I realize that one, I don't have a module in my program for this. So this is a primer for that module to be developed. And then also I haven't talked about it on the podcast and it's such good information. So if you're asking this question, it tells me that you understand what is causing your type 2 diabetes. If you go to Western Healthcare, to a healthcare facility, a healthcare provider who is working within the Western healthcare system, they are going to try to treat your blood sugars. That is what they are going to be looking at. Recognize your blood sugar does not cause your diabetes. And when people ask me, how do I fix my insulin resistance? And when do I know my insulin resistance is fixed? It tells me that you understand the message I have been trying to get out there. Your elevated blood sugars are not caused by the sugar you're eating or by your blood sugars. Your diagnosis of type 2 diabetes or elevated blood sugars is caused by too much insulin in your system. And I want you to hear that. And when you're asking this question, it lets me know you fully understand that. And that's so important. So type 2 diabetes is insulin resistance. It is not your blood sugars being high. Yes, your blood sugars are high. And yes, they are a problem. Having high blood sugars is a problem because blood sugars being high is toxic to your body, but it is not caused by the food you ate today. It's not caused by the cake you ate today. It is caused by years of eating foods that make your body make a lot of insulin. And those foods are processed foods. They're the cakes, the pizzas, the french fries, the crackers, the Doritos, the sodas, the Cap-Frappuccino-Bappas, those foods cause your pancreas to put out a lot of insulin. When your pancreas puts out a lot of insulin, your cells are exposed to high concentrations of insulin. And when your cells are exposed to high concentrations of insulin over a prolonged period of time, that creates your cells to be 
insulin resistant. That's type 2 diabetes. It is insulin resistance. When your cells are resistant to the insulin, that means they are resistant to functioning the way they should in the presence of insulin. I say that they're deaf to the message insulin is trying to tell them. In the presence of insulin, your cells should open up and bring in blood sugar, glucose, which your cells then use as fuel to run the machinery of your cell. And it burns off the glucose, it burns it into energy. That's what should be happening. When you are insulin resistant, your cells do not open up in the presence of blood sugar or glucose, and then the machinery is starved from fuel. Okay, so there's all sorts of what we call disease or pathophysiology or misfunctioning going on here. But what causes your cells to be insulin resistant, meaning they're not going to open up and not bring that fuel inside and not burn it off, what happens then is your blood sugars rise quite high. When your blood sugars rise high, that makes your pancreas spit out even more insulin because it's trying to tell your cells, it's trying to yell at your cells to hear the message it's trying to tell it, which is to open up and bring that glucose in. What that, of course, does is leads to even further insulin resistance, right? Because now you have a higher concentration of insulin in your system and you have an internal system, meaning it's not like you're still eating cake, but because the blood sugar is in your system and not coming down, there is a constant stimulus to your pancreas telling it to put out more insulin. Okay, so it really creates a kind of a tail chasing situation. The high insulin causes your cells to be resistant. And because your blood sugars stay high because your cells are resistant, it causes your pancreas to put out more insulin, causing your insulin to be high and your cells to be resistant, causing your blood sugars to stay high, telling your pancreas to spit out more insulin. It's the cycle you can't get out of. Okay, so when people ask me this question, how do I know when my insulin resistance is fixed? It tells me they are understanding this fundamental concept about what makes them type 2 diabetics. I get very excited about this because it gives me an opportunity to teach about this. It also makes me understand that these folks are interested in optimizing their health. Because recognize your doctor is only interested in your blood sugars. They are not interested in the reversal of the insulin resistance. And when you reverse insulin resistance, you optimize your health. That is optimizing your health, not just treating an outcome or a symptom of the insulin resistance. So recognize what I help people do is to optimize their health. Insulin resistance is not just associated with blood sugar. Insulin resistance is the root cause of many other diseases, including non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or high liver enzymes, including polycystic ovarian syndrome or infertility. Primary cause of infertility in America is polycystic ovarian syndrome, and it is caused by insulin resistance. Underlying root cause for dementia and Alzheimer's. It is associated with hypertension. We know that Insulin resistance impacts the kidneys in a way that does not allow our blood pressure to be controlled the way it should. High cholesterol. We know that insulin resistance will cause your body to make too much cholesterol. Kidney disease. Again, the impact of insulin resistance on the kidneys. 
Insulin resistance is related to all of these diseases. So if we are going to optimize your health, we cannot just fix the blood sugar. We need to fix the insulin resistance. So when people ask me this question, how do I know when my insulin resistance has gone away? I know that they're looking, they really understand, and they understand the importance of reversing this insulin resistance. And that floats my boat. That gets me excited. This is what my passion in life is. I truly believe this is why I was put on the earth, is to spread the message that we can really optimize our health. People aren't always interested in optimizing their health. They don't want to be entirely healthy. They just want people off their back. That is not who I'm helping. That's not what I do in my program. If they ever decide they want to optimize their health, call me. I am the girl that can help you do this. But it's not for everybody and it doesn't have to be for everybody. That's totally fine. But for those people out there who are like, but no, I want to live in optimal health. I am the person that can help you get there. That is what I do. That is what I've been put on this earth to do. Call me. Let me fulfill my mission. Let me have my boat floated because I'm excited about this. This is the stuff I get really excited about. So insulin resistance. Let's talk about this. This again is the question, right? People are like, how do I know when my insulin resistance is fixed? Insulin resistance is a functional term. It is not defined by a single lab value. There are lab values that we look at. And we know that when you are in these ranges on these certain lab values, and I'm going to review those, when you are in those ranges, that you are more likely to have insulin resistance, meaning you are more likely to have this functional insulin resistance. You are more likely that your cells are functioning in a way that is resistant to the message insulin is trying to give them, right? To the message of insulin is here. I need to open up and bring glucose inside to use as fuel for the cellular components, right? We understand when you fall into certain lab values that you are more likely to have your cells being deaf to the message of insulin. So these lab values are one, your fasting blood sugar. Fasting blood sugar above 100 consistently makes us believe that you are more likely to have insulin resistance. Two, an A1C, a hemoglobin A1C. So this is what doctors use to test whether your blood sugar is too high, whether you're diabetic. The range for diabetes is 6.4 or above. The range for prediabetes is usually cut off at 5.6 or 5.7 to that 6.4 range. And we know those are prediabetics. A1C value that the medical literature supports being very low risk for insulin resistance, the A1C that we're looking for is 5.2 or less. So here that your doctor, again, the Western medical system, healthcare system is not getting excited until you are well into a range where we know insulin resistance has been going on for a while. And the reason is, is because they are not interested. They are not focused on treating the cause of your diabetes. They are focused on controlling your blood sugars only. And when you are 6.4 or higher, we know that you are on average running a blood sugar that's too high, that's that toxic level of blood sugar in your system. They aren't even paying attention to the functional issue at hand, meaning that your cells are resistant to insulin. That's the A1C, right? Like your doctors are going to get off your back probably if you're under 6.4 and they're going to be super happy. They're going to feel like rock stars if you're under 5.6. What we know the medical literature supports is that a functional diagnosis of insulin resistance is very low 
if you're under 5.2. So that's the goal that I help people get to if that's what they want to do. If they want to optimize their health, that's what I tell them. Optimal health is going to be found when an A1C is less than 5.2. We know that it's got to be in that range to have a very low likelihood of that insulin resistance, to have a very high likelihood that your cells are functioning normally. The other lab value that we look at, of course, is a fasting insulin level, a fasting serum insulin level. Many doctors will look at you like you have three heads if you ask for a fasting serum insulin level. It is probably the most sensitive to picking up whether or not you have insulin resistance, a functional insulin resistance. Recognize most docs are going to be happy if your number, your fasting serum insulin level is less than 15. We know functionally that you have a much less likelihood of being insulin resistant if your serum fasting insulin level is less than seven. Okay. So those are the numbers. And again, they put you in a risk category, essentially. We know that people with a hemoglobin A1C of six are far more likely to have functional insulin resistance. We know that people with a serum, a fasting serum insulin level of 10 are much more likely to have functional insulin resistance. We know that people with a fasting blood sugar of 120 or 115 are more likely to have functional insulin resistance. So recognize that's what we're looking at. We are looking at when you are more likely to functionally be insulin resistant. And we know that these are the cutoffs. So let me describe what I mean by functional insulin resistance. What I mean when I talk about that is that, again, your cells are not functioning correctly in the presence of insulin. They are resistant to the function that they should have when insulin is present. It's functional insulin resistance. And again, it's not opening up, not bringing that fuel inside, not burning it off. The cells are resistant to doing what they should do in the presence of insulin. They are resistant to functioning in the way that they should function in the presence of insulin. So let's talk about how you know whether your cells are doing that function, whether they are responding the way that they should in the presence of insulin. So what I see when people reverse their type 2 diabetes, reverse this insulin resistance, there's kind of a, a, a series of steps, a timeline per se, that I will see. So again, remember, if you're reversing your insulin resistance, you're also normalizing your blood sugars. And so you're reversing, quote unquote, your blood sugars, your diabetes. The first thing that you're going to see is you're going to have more stable blood sugars. They're going to be in a narrower range. We know that people have huge fluctuations between blood sugars throughout a 24-hour period, have more likeliness of having insulin resistance. And just in general, that is not a healthy thing. We do not want to see these huge fluxes. So if you're having a fasting blood sugar of 130, and then you have a postprandial sometime during the day of 250, like in a postprandial, I'm going to define, but it's after your um, food, after you eat your meal. If you're having these huge fluxes, and I don't even care if it's like 30 minutes after you ate me your meals, and you're like, no, it's because I took the blood sugar so close to my meal. That's why it was so high. No, if you're having huge swings, fluctuations of 100 points-ish or even more sometimes in a day on your blood sugars, that is a sign of insulin resistance and it's not healthy for your cells is really what it comes down to.
okay? That is not a good thing for your biology to see those huge changes. So the first thing that I see with my clients when they start to reverse their insulin resistance is their blood sugars stabilize out. Instead of having these huge fluxes from 130 to 250, they will have readings from 130 to maybe 180. Even after their meals, it will be 180s. And this is usually an effect of you changing the foods that you're eating. Not so much evidence that the insulin resistance is improving, but this has to happen first. You must change the foods that you're eating in order for you to stop having insulin resistance. So this is usually the first thing that I see. When your blood sugars stop having readings into the 200s, your pancreas can take a break. When your blood sugars stop having these super high readings, your pancreas can take a break. It stops spitting out so much insulin. I say that it's calming down. The pancreas starts to calm down. Recognize that this has an impact on your cell's insulin resistance, on how well your cell is becoming responsive to insulin. So again, I, I explained this in the beginning, but recognize if you cannot bring your blood sugar below 150 or 140, your pancreas is going to constantly be spitting out higher concentrations of insulin to try to get your cells to do what it wants it to do. Because the pancreas senses the blood that's floating around your system, all of it, right? Like there are vessels that go by sensors in your pancreas and it is picking up how much blood sugar is in your blood and then sending a message to the pancreas, we've got too much blood sugar. We need to put out more insulin. And your pancreas might be like, yeah, but we did put out more insulin. And these sensors are like, yeah, but it doesn't seem to be working. So put more out. So what you're doing is kind of creating this auto insulin concentration, this high insulin concentration that's created not by anything that you're eating, but because you have a persistent high blood sugar floating around in your system. So your pancreas puts out more insulin trying to tell your cells, seriously, I'm not kidding, bring that stuff inside. But what that higher level of insulin does, of course, is a high concentration of insulin in a prolonged period of time, it worsens your insulin resistance over time, okay? So recognize you must stop eating the foods that are causing that response from your pancreas. So when we see those after meal blood sugars start to stabilize out in this more narrow range, that is usually always caused by the changes you're making in your diet, not really because the cells are getting less resistant to insulin. That comes over time. But this, of course, has to happen. We have to stop sending the message to the pancreas to keep spitting out more insulin. We have to let that pancreas calm down. So once we let the pancreas start to calm down and we stop having this persistent release of insulin, of high concentration of insulin in your system, that's when we start to see the cells become more insulin sensitive. That's the phrase that we use. The cells are insulin sensitive versus being insulin resistant. Insulin resistance is when your cells won't open up in the presence of insulin. And insulin sensitive is when your cells start to totally like respond to insulin in a normal fashion. There's a small amount of insulin in your system caused from eating a carrot that has carbohydrates and your body absorbs it and transfers it into glucose. And you pick up an level of glucose floating around in your system of 130 and your pancreas is like, woo, 130, we better bring that sucker down. We got fuel to use in our cells. Send out the insulin so the cells can bring that in and use it as fuel and burn it up. 
And that, of course, brings that 130 down to like 110 after a meal. That's insulin sensitivity. That's what we're talking about. When I say insulin sensitivity, or you hear it from somebody else, we mean that we are making your cells more responsive to the insulin and reversing that insulin resistance when your cells are not responsive to the insulin. So once we start to see those postprandial, so postprandial is a Latin term that your doctors use. We use it. Medical literature uses it. Post means after. Prandial is a Latin term for meal, after your meal. So when we start to see those after meal blood sugars start to come down, we start to notice that's when we're starting to see improved insulin sensitivity, reversal of the insulin resistance. Initially, you're going to see blood sugars in the 160s to 180s after a meal, and then it's going to drop to the 150s, and then to the 130s, and then you're going to drop to that 110 to 120s range. <clears throat> now recognize, I see that drop to the 110 range in two overlapping scenarios. So two things are happening at the same time. One, your insulin resistance is reversing. And then two, you are eating foods that are natural to human beings. So this means that you're avoiding processed foods. When you eat processed foods, breads, cracker, crackers, candies, cakes, sundaes, right? Like breads and crackers, everybody's like, like, no, that's fine. That's not junk food. I would offer to you, it is not natural to a human being. We all understand that sundaes and cakes and candies are junk food, but I would offer Cheerios, oatmeal, breads. I don't care if it's a 790 grain bread. Those are not natural to human beings and they're not natural on a regular basis. So if you're eating those, your body is trying to override the unnatural food you just brought in. And trying to process it, even though it's not natural to the human being. So this means when you eat those, you will see blood sugars jump to the 130s or 40, 140s. I will see that. And the reason I see 130s and 140s when I eat a piece of wedding cake or a big piece of sourdough is because that's not natural to the human being. That's just not what we usually eat. So what our body is naturally trying to do within the biology that we have is to bring that blood sugar down right? And it takes more insulin to do that, which means our blood sugars will run higher to stimulate that process, okay? So recognize if you're eating those foods, you're going to run those higher blood sugars, which is going to make your pancreas spit out more insulin, and that is going to lead to insulin resistance, okay? So when I tell you I'm seeing blood sugars in the 110s to 120s, it is because your insulin resistance has reversed and you're feeding your body foods that are natural to the human being. Now, it doesn't mean you can never have a piece of sourdough bread or pasta or wedding cake. You totally can. And then you got to understand it's normal for your blood sugars to run a little high and you're going to put out more insulin to manage that. Nothing's wrong with that. That's totally normal. If you do it every day, you will redevelop insulin resistance. That's biology. This is how it works. You're not broken, but understand that those foods aren't really natural to the human being and the biology that we use, that our bodies use to manage it, creates that insulin resistance. So once you see those after meal blood sugars drop off and normalize, then you're going to see your fasting blood sugars normalize. This is what I see last. This is the last change that I see before I know that insulin resistance has normalized that you are no longer insulin resistant. So I will see your blood sugars drop in the normal range that what I see for my clients is somewhere between 80 and 100 consistently. 
So recognize a few things. One, this does not mean if you're seeing a fasting blood sugar in the 60s that something's wrong. Nothing is wrong. That's fine. As long as you feel okay. And I would offer if you're not on meds and your insulin resistance has normalized, you will always feel okay at 60. You might be hungry. Maybe you'll have a headache, but probably not. You're going to be fine. 60 is not a pathologic number. There's no disease going on there. If you're on meds and you see a 60, that's a different party. That's a different experience. It's a different thing. That's not what I'm talking about. If you're insulin resistant and you're seeing a 60, that's a different thing. You're probably going to feel pretty cruddy with that. But as you're normalizing your biology and the way your body works and your cells insulin resistance to see a blood sugar of 60, there's nothing wrong with that. You don't need to do anything. So remember that the same on the flip side of that to see an occasional 110 for a fasting blood sugar is also not abnormal. It does not mean that you've redeveloped insulin resistance or that you're suddenly diabetic again. If you are seeing consistent readings every single morning of 110, that's a different thing. It's not what we're talking about, but the occasional reading of 110 for a fasting blood sugar is not abnormal. Remember, the fasting blood sugars tell you about the biology of your body. The fasting blood sugars are a reflection of your function of cortisol, okay? Cortisol is a hormone that's released in every human being in the morning. It tells your liver to start putting out blood sugars because we're going to get up and start being human beings and our muscles need some fuel and our cells need some fuel and our brain needs some fuel. So if you could put out some glucose so that those cells have fuel, that would be awesome. That's what cortisol is telling your body to do and it's released every morning. Recognize cortisol is also a stress hormone. It is released when your body is under a stress, whether that be emotional, psychological, or whether that be a physiological stressor like illness. So people who have a cold, like COVID, right? Like they're going to have cortisol released. People who have um, cancer, they're going to have more cortisol. They're going to have a higher degree of cortisol released in their body. People who have diseases like diabetes, that's a disease. Too much insulin in your system is picked up by your body as a disease, and you will have a higher concentration of cortisol released in the morning because of your disease state. That higher concentration of cortisol goes to your liver and your liver makes more blood sugar because of the higher concentration. And because you're insulin resistant, your cells do not bring that blood sugar in. Okay. This is the final thing that we see fixed. We see clear up whenever your insulin resistance is resolving. When your body starts to see less insulin in the system and the cells start to function normally, there is no longer the stressor happening. So the cortisol release in the morning starts to come down to a normal way and you start to see those fasting blood sugars normalize. The fasting blood sugar is the last thing that I see drop. And when that happens and you've seen that for two or three weeks, then you do what I call a carbohydrate challenge. Because remember, the diagnosis of insulin resistance is a functional diagnosis. When you do this carbohydrate challenge, it is the functional component of that diagnosis. If you eat a carb load of, say, 75 grams of carbs in one meal, and your cells function correctly and are sensitive to insulin, meaning they do what they are supposed to do in the presence of insulin, they open up, they bring the energy in, the glucose in, and they burn it off as fuel versus being resistant and not doing what they should do, right? When your cells 
are sensitive to insulin and start doing and functioning the way they're supposed to in the presence of insulin, and you eat a 75 gram load of carbs, then what happens is your cells open up and they bring that glucose in and they burn it off as fuel. And your two hour after meal blood sugar, your two hour postprandial blood sugar is normal, usually less than 120. Sometimes you will still see a 130 or a 140. Nothing's gone wrong, but recognizing that, oh, that's because of the food that I ate. That's because my body is managing that food. If you consistently start to see 130s and 140s after meals, that's evidence of insulin resistance redeveloping. Okay. So this is why insulin resistance is a functional term. We act like it's a diagnosis, but it's really not. It's a determination of what's functionally going on. The function of insulin resistance is unique. The like when your body is functionally insulin resistant, this is a unique experience. Similar to like sunburn. Some humans can go out in the sun a lot longer than others and not get burnt, and some can't. Insulin resistance is similar. Some people take longer to resolve their resistance, and some people redevelop their resistance more easily. Remember, guys, we don't make up the biology. We just learn the rules that we have to play by, and then we play by them. So I hope this has been helpful. If you have thoughts about letting go of these foods that create disease in your body, this is why you need a coach. If you're hearing the science and you're like, oh, I just need to do this, and you don't have any problem implementing these changes, you probably are not what you, you don't need a coach. This is not for you. You just need to do those things. I'm happy to help guide you through that. Like I'm all about it. It's so much fun. But if you're really struggling with letting go of those foods, that's what my program is for. My program has been developed for women who are struggling with eating foods that they know are making them sick. These women do all sorts of amazing things in their life. They run businesses. They're successful in careers, they're professionals, they're great mothers, they're great children to their aging parents, they're great spouses. They do all sorts of hard shit and they can't seem to stop eating the chocolate cake. That's what my program is for. If that's what you're needing, if you're falling into that category, let me know. Call me, set up a consult. We will figure out how to get you started. You'll figure out how my program is structured to help you do this work. All right. I hope it's been helpful. I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Also leave me a review. If you want to resolve your diabetes naturally without any pills or injections, I can help you. Visit DelaneMD.com for more information. Click on the work with me tab, send me a message, and we can set up a mini coaching session. You guys have a great week. I'll talk to you soon.